I'd like to take some time today to pause from our sermon series in 1 John. It's really our incentive as elders to make much of the the clarity of the gospel to be heard and, and shared among the testimony of this whole service. Testimonies uh, that are shared, baptism, uh, the work that God's doing in many's lives. But we also want to faithfully preach the word. And so in a more simplified sermonette, uh, I want to look to the practice, the important practice of gratefulness. So you grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We truly have much to be grateful for. And we see this more clearly on days like today, right? As we celebrate much of what God's doing in many people's lives around us. And that gets to be a sweet blessing for all of us who belong to Christ. Um, Praise the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you read, as you turn there, I want to read to you Psalm 136, verse 1, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, we have much to be thankful for. Amen? So much so that thankfulness and gratitude are not something that we should only major on once a year around a plate of turkey. While that plate of turkey is definitely worthy to be thankful for, I think we should do that meal like four times a year. It's that good. It's a campaign I have going on the side. But think about that. I mean, really, we pause to be thankful for, for each other and to really be thankful in this annual celebration. I know that that's an extreme way to think about practicing gratitude, but are we really a thankful people? God's revealed will for his redeemed people is that we would be a grateful people all the time. This is revealed in places like our primary scripture today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 simply says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Church, what is God's will for you? That you would give thanks in all circumstances. We who belong to Christ are to be so thankful that we give thanks in every circumstance that we find ourselves in. I mean, Think about, think about the hard circumstances, the troubling circumstances. What is being said here is that we truly would be authentically grateful in it all. In the midst of it all. I want that to really sink in. The, the consistency, the, the, the personality, the... What's behind that? What would cause one to be that radically grateful? Because in our flesh, our thankfulness is often very temperamental, right? It's often very momentary. It's here and then it's gone. And and then I'm thankful again, but, but then it's gone. See, when our flesh is at the helm and not Christ Jesus, our attitude is too often full of 
attitude and frustration, maybe even anger or bitterness for all the things that went wrong that day or the things that simply did not meet your expectations or circumstantial hopes for how that day would go. That gathering, that moment, that weekend. If we're honest, we're often, too often, grumpy instead of grateful. The Lord did not command us to be a grumpy people. He commanded us to be a grateful people. That there would be something in us to overwhelm the flesh, to bring about authentic gratefulness. I'm not talking about a religious mask to put on. I'm talking about something in you that when it's playing out to the average person, it looks a little crazy. If we're honest, we're too often a grumpy people and not a grateful people. And we got to do business with that this morning. Why? Why is that? You know what? Because people bother us, right? <laughs> and they don't live up to our expectations. Even when they don't even know what they are. We're still mad at them. They don't live up to our desires. I really wanted this to go this way and it didn't. This is because life is often just frustrating. It's the way life is. It breaks down. We, we live and we drive a very broken vehicle because of sin. This can often include our very bodies, our minds, very, to feel and be very, very broke down. Maybe our, our closest relationships. But I ask you to really lean in this morning and hear the holy will of your God. His command on us is that our, our true authentic attitude would, would be one of heartfelt thankfulness. Instead of fleshly responses that we're all too often prone to. The question this morning is how? How can we be authentically grateful? So that that's not just a religious override or a mask we get good at putting on. And the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we truly and authentically be thankful in every circumstance? Why is that possible for the redeemed? By which God would call us to it. And it truly starts with an overwhelming and ongoing appreciation for saving grace. For our secure and eternal life with God. That we don't belittle those things. We don't compartmentalize those things, but they are everything. Christian, you didn't earn or deserve God's grace or eternal life with Him in any way. Scripture is clear to this. What you deserve because of your sin is His wrath, His justice, eternal pain and suffering, punishment. That is the righteous Result, the righteous judgment of the Holy God upon us for not meeting His holy standard.
When I see what I deserve in my sin, and then what God has given me in the gospel, we should be abundantly and overwhelmingly grateful. I mean, wholly grateful. And what I love is for many people who have been around the church, maybe, maybe been in the scripture in a more religious way, in a more man-made, a little more of a functional way, when they really begin to see the gospel, and they really begin to put it on, it, it changes you. I, that, that's what's really sweet about what God's doing to someone like Gary. And why I'll often even say to many of you in our congregation, you may have been sitting here for 15 years, maybe many decades, and God is finally about to really do that work in you, by which He strips you away of, of anything that's just man-made or pragmatic and just revolutionize your soul with, with the beauty of this gospel that makes you, makes you new. Paul speaks well of our foundational source of gratitude in Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. This sounds kind of simple. We could just fly right by it. He's saying, thank you, Lord, that I was a slave of sin. And now, by your power and grace, I am able to walk in obedience to your commands and glorify your name. This is revolutionary. And so it wells up in me just gratitude that I don't forget, I don't move past it. It doesn't lose its taste. And I'm grumpy that the chicken got overcooked. Like, it, it's present. It's, it's constant. We were slaves of sin and death, but we've been set free to serve Jesus and obey His commands, to live for His glory. So Paul says, thanks be to God. Church, constant thankfulness is a lifelong proper response to the gospel that has utterly changed our lives. Here Paul again as he writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 12-15, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service, though formerly I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor, insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying that is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you see? Paul gets it. The motivation for his constant gratitude to God is the complete life transformation that God has caused in him. The Christian who is saved by God's amazing grace is compelled with a relentless attitude of gratitude because they see that they were slaves of sin and death. They were doomed. They had no hope on their own to get out. And yet God in His mercy, set us free and gave us new life. Paul sees how far away from God's holy standard he was, and therefore he is so thankful for what God has done to send Jesus to atone for the sins of His people. This is why we are thankful in all circumstances. 
Because our circumstances, church, do not change our secured adoption in God's eternal family. Amen? We are forever loved. We are forever secured in His grace and glory. This is the abundant source of our thankfulness and authentic gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice with me, Paul does not say, be thankful for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Injustice is rampant in our, in our broken society. Sin is like a deadly virus. Temptations around every corner. We're not thankful for evil or for sin or a world who hates our Lord and therefore they hate us. But we are thankful in the midst of it all. This constant gratitude is not fake. It's not superficial. It is fueled by the gospel that has changed everything about us. I mean, think about what the gospel of Jesus changes in your life. Because far too many Christians think that their Christian faith is just another thing in their life. They talk about it like it's, it's an event in a string of events. And they see it as one of the great highlights of their life. Instead of it becoming everything, instead of it truly changing them from the inside out, instead of it motivating us and mobilizing us to a bold and beautiful testimony of praise, a thankfulness in both word and deed. Church, we have to do business with this this morning. Because I fear that too many of us have allowed our faith to become compartmentalized. And therefore it misses the opportunity to shine with joy and gratefulness in every circumstance. So I ask you to be honest in evaluating yourself this morning young and old, male and female, are you known for a thankful disposition? Is that how you are known by others? Because this passage says, it is God's will that you should be. Are you known for being a person who seems to constantly find a way to be grumpy or to complain? That's the opposite. You, you constantly fall off the fence to being upset, to being grumpy, to complaining. Therefore, missing the override of gratitude. It's not that twist in the road and unforeseen things and, and people's sinful mishandling doesn't still bother us or, you know, create that initial thing, but, 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 the, but the gospel brings an override of thankfulness for him in the midst of all that. When it comes, when life comes at you, do you default to bitterness? I mean, hard life, tough stuff. Or do you overcome it with true gratefulness in Christ? When other people run into you, when they run into the people of Disciples Church, what do they think of as they walk away?
And I don't mean on Sundays when you got your Sunday best on, right, and all these reminders. I'm talking about when they find you on the side of the road because your second tire of the day is flat. Or when the line that you're in is just ridiculously long. What do they experience when they interact with you, church? Do they sense a joyful contentment, a thankfulness, no matter what you're going through? Do they experience people who often are, or do they experience people who are often really no different than secular people they know? People who are constantly tossed about by every wave and are frustrated and upset. Yes, life can and is really hard. What is your testimony? What is your testimony as you walk through it? What I, what I want you to really do business with this morning is not to just consider the forced implementation of a superficial thankfulness, but one that is truly an overflow of who you are, who was made alive in Christ, one that's based on the overwhelming fact that you are a redeemed child of God. Paul learned to understand what it was to really experience this in life, despite what he had. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. We, we could potentially say to be thankful, to be grateful. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any or every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I want us to know Christ at such our core in our soul that we come to know these words of Paul to be true for us. So let's consider another reason why we're thankful in any circumstance, and that's because we're blessed. One of the great foundations of our ongoing thankfulness is our perspective on what we deserve versus what we've been given. If your view of life is that you deserve good things to come your way, then it's easy to become angry or bitter or upset when life doesn't go your way. So I just ask you to consider what happens when you lose the things you've come to expect. What happens when there's a power outage and you can't watch TV or the hairdryer. What happens when you get sick? You can't do the things you plan to do. What we must see is there's a bigger picture when our circumstances are hard. They're momentary. We must realize that these are the things we have are privileges. They're not rights. They're blessings. Life itself is a gift from God. The very workings of our body, the ability to live and interact with others is all blessings. We get pretty arrogant when we come to say, but I expect all this to work and according to my expectations and timeline. Instead of really seeing them as the gift that they are each day. Their loved one may pass away suddenly and we would turn to God. How dare you? Instead of thanking God that I got to love and know this person as long as I did.
But I, I point this out. Even unregenerate people have many common graces that you and I love to enjoy. But what we have in Christ is so much more. It's far more than we deserve or we could even have imagined. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Have you ever heard someone answer the question, how are you doing? And they say, better than I deserve. Or I'm blessed. Now, some of you or some people you know might be guilty of saying those in a habitual way. In other words, if you were with that person 15 minutes ago, that's not really their testimony, right? They were beating up on their dashboard. They're just good at telling you that. No, I'm talking about people who really mean it. Mean it in the midst of really hard stuff. Because they rightly see, I am so much better than I deserve. I am truly blessed. That answer can be a surprise when we know that someone's in the midst of some really hard stuff. But when someone really means it, church, don't you see the amazing beauty of that testimony. I love it. I love it when I see it in you. No matter what's been stripped away, there's an abundant attitude of gratitude for how God has blessed them in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're blessed. We're loved. We're provided for. We are secure in Christ. We are possessors of every spiritual blessing in Christ. Think about that. Let that sink in so that it, it produces gratefulness. Let us join Paul who learned to be content no matter his circumstances. How? Because of Christ being his life, being his joy, being his identity, being his treasure. Colossians 3, 15-17, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And in case you haven't picked up on a theme by now, give thanks to God the Father through Him. Church, this is not something we get to play light with. This is what the redeemed are supposed to look like. And if, we've, if you're guilty of playing light with it, then praise God for a day like today. To be loved enough to be convicted, to do business, to wake up, to have your, the tree shake, shook a little bit, and, and, and to, to lean in, to, to confess, and, and to say, Lord, I want to grow, to bring brothers and sisters near, to talk about it around the dinner table tonight. You're not waiting for Thanksgiving. You're talking today. You're talking tonight. There would be a reboot. You're going to put some things in action. Are you thankful despite your circumstances? Because of who you are in Christ. Is your heart one of gratitude? Not because of what you have or how you look, but because you are blessed in Christ. 
because you possess every spiritual blessing. Before I close, I want to give you some very practical ways to grow in your authentic gratitude, to, to, to flex this muscle, to train it. Some of the spiritual disciplines that help us in this area to be truly grateful in all circumstances. Three of them I want to give you before we go. Number one, prayers of gratitude. We see this in the very verse before our main verse today. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, uh, verse 17 let me read 17 with 18 and let's see it all together. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. The regular and faithful practice of going to God in prayer is one of the major ways that He reminds us of all that He is and all that we are in Him, which reorients our hearts to Him and brings forth authentic praise. When we pray without ceasing, there is a walking by faith, a remembering who you are in Christ that will help you well up with thanksgiving instead of tap into that fleshly bitterness and anger. I was teaching to all the parents at Legacy Christian Academy this last week about some disciplines and helping them and their walking with their children there and, and that it starts with them. And, and as I talked about praying without ceasing, I reminded them of something I wanted to remind you of. And that is sometimes when we think about praying without ceasing, we think, man, how would I get anything done? Because you're thinking of only prayer closet prayer. That's the kind of prayer that you literally go into a quiet and secluded place, a closet or a hillside, as we saw Jesus do, or whatever, bathtub or garage or, you know, whatever. And you're just quiet with the Lord. You've turned everything off. You left the phone behind you. You're just still with God. We need to have that kind of prayer. But praying without ceasing is not that, right? Because we wouldn't get anything done if, if that's what we did without ceasing, right? We wouldn't do all the other things that God's called us to do. So there is another way of praying without ceasing that is just a walking and talking with God. And for some of you, you need to learn what it is to do that and to be okay with doing that more, can I say, casually? Meaning some of you have too formalized your prayer life you it's this big thing like you got to get dressed up and dial him up and and okay god i'm here and then hang up and then go back and it's like yeah i can't do that without ceasing the kids are screaming i gotta get dinner ready i gotta get to the next job so that's not it praying without ceasing is just god is more present than you even know how to give him credit you just talk with him Lord, thank you right now for these beautiful brothers and sisters I see in front of me. God, just continue to do your work in them. I'll, even as I'm preaching sometimes, I'm, I'm talking to God. God, I'm thankful for what you, I see you doing in that brother. God, work, work in that family right now. Praise God for what you're doing. Like, we would just, we would know him. We would enjoy him. We would walk and talk with him. And that's okay to do way more often than we do. To pray without ceasing. So watch this now. Paul speaks of our prayer life and the combination of it with thanksgiving. And, I, and this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture about this. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Go to God. Go to God in prayer. Don't be anxious. Pray about it. God's Word says that we should be honest with Him in our request. But be thankful in the midst of all he's done. 
We don't come to him ungrateful. That, that just means I don't see clearly what you've done. When the circumstances of life get hard, and they will, we who belong to Christ are not anxious. We don't worry and fret like those who are lost in the world, like those who are about to lose the idols of their heart and they're undone. No, our identity, our foundation is now in Christ. And so what do I do when here comes the pressure? I go to prayer. And, and watch what Paul says we get when we do this. Look at the next verse, Philippians 4, 7. When we, instead of being anxious, pray with thankfulness, ask him what, what's on our hearts. It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That he will give you a peace that doesn't even make sense to your head. It doesn't make sense to your circumstances. But here's the kicker. You're experiencing it. You're at peace. God's got you. He's got this. And you trust him. That's your faith. And I got peace. And again, to other people, you look a little crazy. But it's the fruit of the, of the Lord. It's the testimony of the gospel. Quickly, another important discipline is testimony of gratitude. Prayers of gratitude, testimonies of gratitude. One of the important ways we are to remain thankful in all things is to remain mindful of all that God has done. Psalm 9.1 I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. To recall all that God has done is to cause our hearts to well up with praise, right? And our testimony to be shared with others. Our thankfulness for God is constantly on our lips. That's our testimony. Watch this, Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Some of you have that verse memorized. Memorize this next part of verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so means it's your testimony. God wants those, all those he puts in our path to hear and see the testimony of our gratefulness in the midst of life struggles. Why? Because that is one of the sweetest parts of your testimony is the joy you have in him, the peace you have in him, the identity you have in him in the midst of the struggle that you are thankful. And they go, I got to have some of that. What is that? Well, you need the gospel. You need to be transformed. Let's talk about that. There's a testimony there that's got to go to work. When injustice or hardship happens and it doesn't go your way, we respond with true gratitude because we're in Christ and we have the joy of Christ and not in our circumstances. What a revolutionary testimony that shines bright in the darkness. Amen? Christian, is your daily testimony to others a truly grateful disposition? If not, hear me in love, it should be. Not because things are going well. Not because you've got a master black belt in Christianity. <laughs> because you see clearly who he is and what he's done. And it, it causes you to be truly grateful. Unendingly grateful. It's not like a good piece of pie that you're going to have later this week and then you forget about it by two days later. 
No, it's, it continues. You continue to be grateful for it. To not testify gratefulness in the midst of great hardship or injustice is to put your light under a basket. And to live just like the world who lacks hope and joy that we have in Christ alone. Finally, a helpful and needed discipline is encouragements of gratitude. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Biblical encouragement is, is more than complimenting someone's shirt or telling them how amazing their cookies are. That kind of encouragement is good to do. But the encouragement that Scripture refers to is explicitly a Christian encouragement. How so? And, and track with me. Encouragement that is Christian is shared with the hopes that it lifts up someone's heart towards the Lord. It doesn't just have a temporary means attached to it. It's encouragement that points out the evidences of God's grace in their life to remind them of how God's at work in their life. It's encouragement that points a person to God's promises that assure them that he's in control despite what they're facing. And we need that, don't we? It's Christian encouragement reorients the other to Christ, not to oneself. See, there's the difference. Secular encouragement is incomplete because any word of encouragement that only draws the hearer to oneself is pointing them to someone who is going to let them down. Do you see that? We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ, the rock, because he will not let us down. He is our satisfaction. His promises all prove to be true. The Greek word for encouraging is parakaleo, to come alongside, to call aloud. God knows we need these grace-filled reminders. And so he calls us to encourage one another. And I'll just say, I've said this before, Often when we get to this, some of us can be guilty of going, Pastor, I really could use some of that encouragement. And so you're nudging your person next to you, or you're really hoping, like, man, I hope all these guys hear this because I really could use that. And can I just say, the command is on you to encourage one another. So if all you just take this as like, cool, I can't wait to be encouraged by everyone else, then none of us are going to do anything different. <laughs> you are to practice encouragement. It's less about you and what you're receiving and more about what you get to be a blessing to others. So let me press in here a little more because some of you are too distant from each other. You're coming faithfully, maybe even serving, but you're not letting people in further. You're not, you're not walking closely enough to, to let some of those walls break down so that people are walking with you to know you. And to encourage you, you're putting off those gatherings. You're putting off th th those opportunities. And I would just say, don't do that. Some of you need to confess and repent of that. And there's a, it's time to really lean in. It's time to be known. It's time to really let people in and really pursue that with each other better than you have. No, no wonder why you're frustrated. You're kind of tasting it from the fringes. 
really doing life together and encouraging each other along the way. That's the call. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So how does this apply to our gratitude? And here it is. One of the primary ways God calls us to encourage each other is to be more constant in sharing our thankfulness for God's work in one another. And I want to just love you enough to say, you guys, this is really easy, and so it's really lame that we're not better at it. It is not hard to say thank you. So, and the early church modeled this so well. Paul says to the believers in Thessalonica, we give thanks to God always for you and constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1-2. And I just ask you, how often are you blessed by the love and the ministry and the kindness and the service and the leadership of others around you? And yet rarely you stop just to say thank you. Thankfulness for each other and how God is at work in one another needs to be a regular practice of those who belong to Christ. That we not grow tired of it. We wouldn't do it once and then check a box. I'll get back to it later. I've personally tried to grow in this and practice this. To tell many of you, thank you when I see you. When I interact with you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank, thank you for your part. The ways that you're serving our church. The ways I see God at work in you. I found it helpful to not wait until I'm with someone. But just if I, if I think it, pick up the phone and shoot a text. Shoot an email. Make a quick call. Sometimes when I'm driving, I just go, who can I reach out to right now and just encourage and just, who am I thankful for? I just, I just want to call and just tell you, I love you, I'm thankful for you. I found it to be a, a helpful, regular part of my interaction. When we bump into each other to express our gratefulness for each other and the ways that God is at work. I've also tried to impress this on my family. I want to train my children to be grateful. To be good at that. That they really mean it. That they're thinking about it. When they're enjoying something, they're, they're wanting to say thank you. I want to train the man I'm discipling to be really good at this. I, I believe this should be part of our culture. Not just saying thank you, but why you're thankful. Take that extra little moment to say, and let me tell you why. One of the glaring things that we should be known for is expressing our gratitude. And again, it's simple. Church, this is a truly powerful way to love each other and to encourage each other. And so I just ask you as we wrap up, what does it look like for you to better practice expressing gratitude for those God is working through in your life? And can I just say to some of you family members, you're probably slowest to do this with the person who you're sitting next to. Your spouse, your children. And, and let's pick that up. What does it look like to better teach our children this, parents? To model it for them. What does it look like for, for you to rarely interact with others without expressing a real heartfelt gratitude for them? When you're picking up your kids from the kids' ministry, do you take a quick moment to look at th those volunteers in the eyes and say, thanks for putting over my kid, for loving them, pointing them to the Word? When you see someone cleaning the campus, go out of your way, say, hey, thank you for serving. When you walk by the sound booth, 
Hey, thanks you, thanks you guys. You didn't get to sit with your families today, but you served us all well today. Thank you. When you interact with Marilyn, our staff, who are working around the clock, answering calls and dealing with the things so that it's all working, right? There's volunteers who came here multiple days this weekend because we had issues with the lighting, just trying to pull it together. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you, brother. Are you blessed by the leadership of our elders expressing your true heartfelt gratitude for, for their commitment to serve and lead us? When you see long-standing members of our congregation who have suffered and, and been long-standing well for our church, do you just say, hey, thank you. Thanks for enduring. Thanks for setting the pace. When you see God at work in others, just pausing to say, man, I just praise God. I just see him at work in you. Are you stopping to love them by expressing your heartfelt thankfulness? Again, this is not hard, church. And you might say, I really am thankful for so many, but I just ask you, are you expressing that? I just want to say thank you for, or I want to share it why I'm grateful for this or that. Here's why. Church, the point is simple. We are to be a grateful people. To pray well, to testify well, to encourage one another well in an attitude of gratitude. Woe to the church who only expresses thankfulness once a year at Thanksgiving. This needs to be part of our DNA. And I love the ways that it is. And as a shepherd who loves you and loves God and his authority over us, I'm loving us well. I'm trying to love us well to press us further. As we prepare to close our fall celebration with the final song, just hear a couple of these psalms and prepare your heart to well up with worship for God. Will you stand with me as I read these? And then I'm going to pray and we'll sing together. Psalm 717, I will thank the Lord because he is just. Psalm 30, verse 12. Oh, thank you, my God. I will give you thanks forever. Psalm 95, verse 2. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Acts 13, 48. They were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. We have much to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Let us express our gratitude for our great God. For he is surely worthy of it all. Pray with me. Lord, we, we are unified and, and joyful to be together to celebrate all these things that you're doing. Even the unspoken testimonies of how you're at work. Um, there's just so much amazing fruit of your sovereign hand. And we're just thankful for, for you. And we want to worship you. We want to be a bright light of the joy that we have found in Christ. And not be quiet, not have our light under a basket, not be quiet with you throughout our day, but to be praying constantly and welling up with a thankfulness as we bring the request we have and, and knowing that you're giving us peace as you're reminding us who you are and, uh, and just and being that light amongst others in our families, in, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city and beyond. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people here and the the, the, each part that every person is playing and the important role you've given us and we, we want to steward it well for your glory. And so we just say, Lord, praise you.
We thank you now and forever. You are truly worthy of it all. Hear us sing in Jesus' name. Amen.